This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast, brought to you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Kaskavalsian. All right, everybody, welcome to this episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group. And on today's episode, I have got Tommy Mello. Now, Tommy owns a company called A1 Garage Door, and he's a really smart dude. I'm not even going to go into a big introduction. I think, Tommy, I think you could probably tell your story a whole lot better than a big formal introduction. Welcome to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. I'm happy to have you here. Why don't we start off with you telling everybody a little bit about your company today, not where you started. Let's talk about what your company looks like today. Sure, yeah, thanks for having me on, Brian. I really appreciate it. You know, first of all, business is not easy, and I'm not gonna tell you where, like you said, I'm not gonna tell you where I came from, but uh, right now we're in the process of mergers and acquisitions. We're in 11 states. I have over 200 employees. We strive to be the uh, best in the industry with when it comes to garage doors. And we actually went down a line of custom garage doors, which I think could relate to a lot of your your listeners out there because, it, you know, with windows and siding and roofing. Uh, so custom is home improvement versus regular service and installation is usually more home service. So I, I, I separate home improvement and home service in my business. And, uh, yeah, we did about $20 million last year. We're on pace to do roughly around 75% more this year. So 35 million. And uh, the goal is to get the 250 million to be the largest graduate company in North America. Wow. It's a big goal, man. I love it. You gotta shoot for the stars. If you land on the moon, you're doing good. Right. <laughs> so you grew 75%. Now you mentioned mergers and acquisitions. Um, talk about that a little bit. So, Typically, when you're buying a company, you look at a few certain things, and um, one of them is the last three years of their taxes, because a lot of companies think you get a lot for blood, sweat, and tears, and unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. But uh, we're in what I would call a seller's market, which is just like real estate. The economy is really good. Businesses are making a lot of money. There's not a lot of people down this year, and when it's a seller's market, it's hard to negotiate on the sell of a business unless they really want out. And um, I'm looking for motivated sellers, somebody that it snows a lot in Minnesota or Michigan or, uh, you know, there's just the hurricanes in Florida or somebody who just wants to get out. And uh, the trick is you got to let people know that you're looking and they kind of fall into your lap. So I just bought a company in Denver. I bought another company in Phoenix recently uh, to add on to my custom side. But I look for certain things and usually it's just motivation. Are you really looking to get out? And then I offer them a pretty nice salary to stay on, which I say that's kind of where you're going to make your money is not through the acquisition side, but by working for us. And and we've got an amazing team. And uh, a lot of people buy a job when they get into business and they don't realize that there's a lot more that goes into it. They don't charge the right prices. They don't plan on taxes. They don't do the little things like really work with their call center. And uh, we go in and we give a complete package of everything. We're going to take care of it. And we're going to give you paid time off. We're going to give you insurance. We're going to give you your wife and your life and your kids back. 
<laughs> nice. So this is your this has been your growth strategy for for how many years now? You know, typically I grow organically. You know, like I said, eleven states. Uh, I've realized there's some really low hanging fruit to go into an area. Uh, Google is our forte. I've got seven guys full time that do search engine optimization, and I've got right now we're up to seventeen virtual assistants uh, that work in the Philippines. Uh, you know, we pay them. This might sound bad, but they make between four and five dollars an hour. But that's more than nurses are paid in the Philippines, and they're excellent at what they do. So, Google's opened the door for us. It's not like the yellow pages when you have a double truck. You know, fifteen years ago. So Google's huge, and then we do a lot of mailers. We do a lot of TV. We do. Uh, if there's something out there, Brian, I think we're doing it. You're doing it, yeah. So you have a your your approach is that of omnipresence, multi-channel. You want to be everywhere in the market. So is it my understanding that, or or am I looking at this the right way? You're looking for companies that have been established in a market. The owner's tired because they're doing things the hard way, which a lot of business owners do, as you correctly said. They get into business. And one of one of my hopes with this podcast is to show people that they don't have to do it that way, that it doesn't have to be a job, that this is how you create a business. So you go in looking for those owners, and then you come in and essentially rebrand the company and use all of your resources, your marketing, your sales, your people, just grow the business significantly. Yeah, you know, the, the biggest opportunity for me is finding a business that's been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. Somebody that probably wasn't charging the right prices, somebody that's not answering their phone all the time, somebody that's not doing a lot of marketing. You know, they did do the yellow pages back in the day and they just haven't caught on to the new generation. More millennials bought homes last year than baby boomers. So you got to understand the paradigm of the decision making is changing. And with that being said, is a lot of the, the baby boomers, it's just the age group, you know, they're between. 55 and 65 and they're just some of them have had it and they don't have a next of kin and uh there's a great opportunity if you position it right and uh i'm looking for not the biggest company because i don't want to buy infrastructure i'm i'm trying to buy number six seven eight nine ten in the city not number one through five because those people already have a great infrastructure and it's worth a lot of money they've got a good crm they've got a great call center They've got technicians that have manuals that dress a certain way. They've got numbers that they could show you certain KPIs. And I don't want to buy that. I'm looking for a six, seven, eight, nine, ten because they don't have that. And I could add a lot of value to that right away and typically triple the uh, sales within the first year. It's a brilliant strategy. And by the way, you know what you just said about tripling sales in the first year. The reason why you know, just from the outside, the reason why I believe you can do that is because you essentially turn on your systems the first week that you're in business, uh, that you've, after you've acquired the business, you take all of your systems and in the first week, you're, you're bringing them in. And I mean, that may be a little bit of an exaggeration, but that's, it's with lightning speed. Nothing needs to really be developed. It just needs to be implemented. Whereas for a lot of the people that are listening to this, they might have that business where the opportunity to triple the business is there, but they have to go out and they have to create the processes and the systems themselves. 
And so Correct. my question to you with that is, by the way, I think your strategy is brilliant. I, I think that I mean, we can we can talk for hours just about that strategy, but I'd like to take it to now because, again, the, the, the idea of this podcast is to help those people that are listening to this thinking, man, how do you triple a business in a year? They'd be happy if they could double their business in two years or three years. So what are some of the first steps that somebody would need to take in order to do what you do inside of you know, in less than a year, what are some of the things that people would need to do with their business? It's actually been so much simpler the last couple of years. Obviously, when you're struggling and you're not making money, you're working in the business all the time. And I'm not going to tell you there's this crazy thing that all of a sudden the fires stop and you could just focus 100% on the business. But what it's really about is setting a solid foundation. What I mean by that is it starts with your organizational chart and, it, and then you go into a depth chart. And so the org chart, you fill in the boxes. You got a box and you get the people to find the box. You don't have the people and you build a box around the people. So organizational chart is the first thing. The next thing is the depth chart, which means if I know how to do payroll, three other people know how to do payroll. If I'm out, Rather than say, if I die, can somebody else do it? I like to say, if somebody, if I went, if I hit the lottery, can somebody else take the job? I try to keep or it optimistic. Be, or if you go on vacation. Oh, yeah. See, I, I was out of town the whole last week. Yesterday was the first day back. I was actually in Utah two days ago, uh, touring another company that uh, practices lean manufacturing. And that's what we're trying to do in the garage industry is go lean. But uh, going back to what you said, it's all about really being able to focus on the business. And I know that's kind of cliche, you know, the E-Myth revisited uh, work on the business, not in the business, but uh, it's very difficult to do it versus say it. And you've got to make time and you've got to have a master project list and you need to knock steps out and you need to build manuals. So people know when they're doing great and they know when they're not doing their job and you need to have checklists and procedures and then you need to leave that as a breathing, living organism, a document that everybody abides by. And the org chart is the hierarchy in which you follow that. So if somebody comes in and says, could I have off tomorrow? I say, I'd love to give you off, but I'm not your boss. I'm the owner, but uh, couldn't give you off. Even if I wanted to, I wouldn't know the schedule. That's not my duty. I know what my duties are. It's to do the marketing and it's to do the financials. And there's other people that handle other things on the org chart and they're completely entitled and I stay out of it. I just look at their numbers and the numbers dictate all my decisions. I love it. And, and you know, you mentioned something really, and this is something that I'd like to point out to everybody listening. Tommy said something that I, that I often say as well, is that what you can't outsource is your marketing and your financials. You've got to be on top of what's driving your company in the, in, in the marketing, and you've got to be on top of the checkbook. You cannot, you know, take your eyes off of the the checkbook. So, developing systems. Let's let's dig into that a little bit because to me, that's the key behind not only your success but the success of many many other companies. Most of most of my clients that have really, you know, built a business that doesn't rely on them to work relies on systems and processes. So, how does somebody that you know, is that they're working in their business and they want to work on their business. What are some of the ways that they move from the working in to working on? Do you have any practical examples of 
how they start building out the manuals, how they start developing those processes? Yeah. The first thing I do is I dive into eight KPIs and you start on the bottom right with your revenue of what you want to make, or you could do profit. And there's a certain KPIs that really people complicate this whole process, key performance indicators. Those are just simple way to say the things that really affect your business. And it starts with marketing and it ends with revenue. And it depends on your booking rate, which I really want to dive into, Brian, because Everybody that I've talked to in the home service business, I don't care if it's electricians, plumbers, uh, air conditioning, roofing, everybody says I have a great call center. And that's just not the case because they're not tracking it. And then I look at average ticket. I look at conversion rates. I look at the optimal time to get back to a customer. And then the major thing that everybody could do better, and I promise you this is including myself, is follow-up and communicating with the customers more often. So I always tell home service experts that there's three ways to make money you get new customers which is marketing which uh that's my specialty that's what i love to do you keep the customers coming back for more which is service agreements and then you could charge more to the current customer which is either getting better salesmen or having a variety of different products you could offer them so those are really the only three ways to make money you get more customers you charge the current customers more money you keep the customers coming back Right. And uh, that's the kind of stuff that I focus on. Awesome. So you mentioned booking rate and I'm I'm with you. This is this is an area that I see there's huge opportunity. Uh, talk a little bit. Uh, talk a little bit about booking rate. I think you mentioned that you you know, that's an area of a big opportunity. So I use service site for my CRM and they've got a pretty sophisticated user interface that lets me know what my booking rate is, what my CSRs are doing, who's got the highest booking rate, the average call. What we try to focus on is a very, very low amount of rings before we answer the phone, usually two to three. There was a time where sometimes in the day it would take three minutes to answer a call. We're taking anywhere from three to 400 opportunities per day, handling about seven to 800 phone calls. And that's another thing is communicating with the customer so they're not calling and wondering how their door is being manufactured or when it's coming in or when they're going to have a tech out there. But uh, knowing those numbers are super important. And a lot of people say, look, Tommy, I, I know what I'm doing. I'm booking at least 90%. And uh, I can tell you that they're full of it because I've used pretty advanced softwares. I like a company called CallCap, what I used to use, and they've got a thing called CallSurance. It's Kind of like insurance, though. They got a third party of call center reps that listen to the phone calls and they actually grade the CSRs if it's booked or not. They grade if it's an opportunity. And knowing the winners and losers within your company are so important. Everybody's a winner unless they have a bad attitude. I'm all about managing people up. I'm about giving them the, the stuff. If they got hired for me, then I chose them and I'm going to work with them unless their attitude is, is very poor. But I can tell you that getting the winners and what that is is competition it's gamification within your company and getting the winners to work with somebody that might not be as good at their booking rate or, or the average time on call or very good at certain rebuttals matching them up and monitoring that will change a business overnight so in my so i had a home service company as well and that was a number that i agonized over I looked at that number because like you, I mean, we had high volume, not, we didn't get three and 400, but we'd get 50 calls on a Monday morning. And I knew that 
the number of conversions would, you know, one or just one or two more conversions every morning would make a huge difference at the end of the year. I mean, if you do the math, one or two a day, you know, say five to 10 a week, 40 a month, almost 500 a year, that makes it, that could make a pretty significant difference. Of course, you know, there's close rate that goes with that and your average ticket and what it costs you to get a, a customer and all of that. But that's also a big issue in every type of company, not in home, not only in home services, but with roofing, we do a lot of work with roofing companies and I hear the same thing. Oh yeah, we book 90% of the calls that come in. And I say, no, you don't. There's no way you do. And you walk them through, yeah. you know, you ask them just a few questions, you know, who's answering the phone? How do you know that they are actually documenting every single call that comes in? I ask them, are you recording calls? And then like you, like you mentioned, you mentioned a company called, I think, CallCap. Uh, we work with a company called CallSource. Does the same thing. Very, Insurance. Yep. They've got somebody that's listening in to make sure that, hey, you're not missing any calls. And invariably, you're going to find that almost every company is missing out somewhere. And I think that that's a great, that's one way that you can dramatically increase your business, just about any business that you're in, just by focusing on what you call booking rate. I call it, you know, booking an appointment, you know, for a salesperson inquiry to appointment. Yeah, that's that, that's a good one. And I like your talk again, if you don't mind, go through your eight KPIs again, key performance indicators, by the way. And I would imagine these are the numbers you look at. And this is how you know if your business is healthy or not healthy on a daily basis. Let's stop here and take a quick break. Do you want a steady stream of referrals coming into your business? Do you want a system that gets your customers to come back to you to buy more of your products and services? How about more five-star reviews on the sites that matter like Google, Facebook, and Better Business Bureau? Of course you do. G4 Marketing Group has been doing all of that for home improvement companies just like yours since 2009. Want to see if we can do the same for you? Just go to www.g4marketing.com and schedule a free Wealthy Contractor Strategy Session. That's www.gfourmarketing.com. Now let's get back to this episode. There's uh, So it starts out with your marketing. So... I've got 2,000 call tracking numbers. I know exact revenue per source of advertising. So measure your marketing. The going rate in the industry is 10% on marketing. I like to spend 20 if I'm taking over a market because I'm just aggressive. But uh, So make sure your marketing is giving you a bang for your buck and monitor it because people will tell you it takes six months to make this campaign work. And if it's direct response or mailers, that's, that's a line of crap. Right. Uh, TV, radio, billboards are great if they're working unison with the rest of your marketing and you're number one on Google. You got to be spending a lot of money on either the Google Guarantee Program or pay-per-click. So booking rate is number two. I look a lot at booking rate because if you're spending all this money in marketing, a lot of people aren't answering their phone on the weekends or at nights. A lot of people are waiting too long. A lot of people are not following up. So booking rate is where I see a huge problem. And then you got form fills. A lot of people, whether it's coming in from Angie's List, Home Advisor, 
Yelp uh, or even something as simple as Groupon or Living Social, they're not answering those forms in time. So that's the third one. And then I, uh, I look at, did those forms come in? So call, answering the call is one of the big ones. And then the booking rate, so conversions out of the people that call with opportunities. And here's the big gray area, Brian, is people say, yeah, I booked 90%. And I'm like, because they filter, they say that was a solicitor, that was a parts call, or that was somebody they didn't have their wife home for the decision. So we're not going to count that. Right. And what I learned from an old call center manager is you can make those numbers look like 98% if you want. Right. Because they're excluding a bunch of stuff. So you got to have black and white and what's considered a real opportunity. And I consider a parts call an opportunity because I could turn those around and say, let me ask you this: What? Uh, what in the? Why are you buying a garage or a spring? Well, mine just broke. Well, what part of town are you in? Okay, well, because I got a guy out there, he could come sell you a spring if you want. But if I, he's out there and, and the price sounds right, you like what he has to say, and we could actually warranty it. You know, would that something you'd be interested in? And they, you know, if the price is right, and I like what your guy has to say, absolutely. So, black and white things are important. And then I look at the average ticket. Average ticket's huge. And then when my guy gets out there. If he sells a new garage door, did that garage door actually make it to the install? So that's another conversion rate is uh, sometimes people go with people, high pressure sales, and then they cancel. And you might realize this guy's selling everything, but then they don't realize a lot of owners, the stuff falls out at the end. So they're not selling it on value and they're going in for that one time kill. So those are really, and then the average ticket, those are things that are going to make the difference in a, in a company. And if you build it, just put a line up in the middle of a piece of paper and put three lines. Then you can basically work backwards. If you want to make $800,000 uh, profit and you're at 20%, so eight times five is 4 million. So you want to make 800,000, you put 4 million on there. Then you figure out how many, if my average ticket's 500, what is it going to take me to get to uh, 4 million? So then you do some math and then you say my conversion rate is 78%. So you work right back into it and you say, this is how much money you go through all my KPIs and you figure out exactly what you got to spend in marketing to make that much. But you got to use real numbers. And if you don't have those numbers, it's not even worth the conversation because you're not tracking your business and you're you're a pawn in your own business. And I'm not trying to talk down to people, but the business owns you. You don't own the business. You know, profit to me in the home service industry and home improvement, usually you're looking from 18 to 22%. I've got a lot of key numbers. Uh, sometimes in drains, you could make more money because there's not as much uh, parts cost. But uh, depending on your industry, you look, you build your profit. And I used to hate this, Brian. I hated when people told Absolutely me this. But you right. build your profit. How important is profit? Into you? your bottom line to where I have a price book. I don't willy-nilly my prices. My prices are what they are. I've got different discounts because if me and you walk into Walmart, we can pay different prices because there's different discounts available to senior citizens. And if you have, if you bring in 10 coupons matching other people's prices, Walmart will do that. So my price books the same. Discounts are different, and that's important. But profit's built into everything. My Christmas party's built into it. If I do very, very well, then everybody makes money in my company, from the CSRs to the dispatchers to the technicians to the managers. If I'm making over 20%, I'm able to reward people for the right stuff. I actually have a couple of consultants, Ellen Rohr, who's helping me a lot in the financial space. Uh, just amazing woman. Yep. And then Al Levy, 
runs a company uh, called the Seven Power Contractor. And I don't want to say this is all my own stuff. I just abide by it. And like I told you earlier, I read a lot of books. I get help from every corner. I tour at least two facilities a month. Not my direct competitors, but people that are in a similar like niche that we can learn from each other. And that's that's a game changer. So, okay. So that was, that was a ton of really useful information. So let me back that up and unpack it a little bit for everybody that's listening. So I want to get back to the personal habits, uh, you know, to wrap up the call, but profitability, what Tommy said about profitability, I hope that everybody heard and goes and implements like today, he builds the profit in to the business. It starts with so you you've decided that your your net profit needs to be twenty percent in your business. I, I I you know to me I I I tell everybody you know in the in the roofing window siding in the replacement business everybody needs to be at a minimum net profit of ten percent. Believe it or not, there are many people that are at under five percent, and I just don't know why you would do business for less than ten percent. But the the point is. Your your goal is twenty is eighteen to twenty two percent, and it's built into your pricing, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yes. Okay, I just want everybody to hear that again. He said absolutely. Now, what if your what if your marketing costs go up a little bit? Then what happens? Well, the deal is is if I'm not making money, nobody's going to make money. We're working together at a common goal, and I can be very very good, but. Marketing does go when I'm trying to take over a market and I'm trying to take market share, I spend more, but you need to know your numbers. Look, your cost of goods sold, depending on your industry is usually 30 to 35%. Sometimes it's up from there. And I'm not saying these are universal numbers. I'm just talking in generalities from all the home service companies. I know your payroll typically should be around 30%. If you're going way over that, there's certain ratios to abide by. Anybody that's collecting a paycheck and doing the work out there, you should have two of them to every one office, manager, warehouse guy. Uh, those are good ratios to kind of live by. And uh, if you're spending more in marketing, that's good. Do not cut your marketing. So many people, they got their mom working for them like I do. They got their, uh, you know, their family. And uh, a lot of people are making too much money. There's nothing wrong with that. Look, my mom, my stepdad, my dad, my sister used to work for me. I'm not saying they make too much money because I'll get my, my uh, I'll get in trouble. But uh, but basically, you got a lot of people that you're very just loyal to, and what happens is it gets out of control, and they cut their marketing costs, and that's the death spiral. That's when they go out of business. That's when, and the economy is good. Right right now, Brian. So a lot of people are like, this is not me. This is not me. And they're borrowing money and they're doing what they were doing in 2006. And they're buying a second home. And and then the shit hits the storm, excuse my French, and uh, stuff happens. And right now I'm putting a lot of money back in the bank to wait because the economy will have a correction. And when it becomes a buyer's market is when I can completely capitalize because you've never seen a billionaire get very, very rich in a seller's market. They do it in a buyer's market. So again, Tommy, you just you you gave us a whole bunch of really good information. So let me go back to that was that was great, by the way. And and this is something I've been telling everybody too. And I'm I'm going to take this opportunity to piggyback off of what Tommy just said. Listen to what he said. Business is good right now. He's putting cash away so that when things eventually turn, 
not doom and gloom talk, right, Tommy? It, this is opportunity talk. This is reality. Um, we can't Correct. forget what happened. You know, we can't forget history. And talking about profitability, my guess is what you do and what I was looking for you to say is if your costs go up, it's not coming out of your profit. You're going to increase your prices or you're going to reduce some other overhead cost in order for you to continue making that profit. It's, is that an accurate statement? Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the thing is, is, is this is a this is a business We're I'm not in business to not make money, but I'm I, I want I mean, my number one goal, my mission, my vision is to grow people. And I believe we're doing very, very good at creating better lives for my employees and our customers. We're delivering a plus service and creating raving fans from customers. But uh, you're you're right that this is a business. I put 100%, I mean, literally, for what the company makes, I'm putting most of it back into it to grow. I'm actually borrowing money to a certain extent to buy companies. I don't borrow money to stay in business. I borrow money to buy out companies, which if you look at EBITDA, earnings before interest tax and appreciation, I'm buying them for nothing and paying the bank back within a year off of future profits. So I'm not, when I said I'm saving money, I'm saving the company's profit, but I'm borrowing money if it's, I'd rather bet on myself. I don't really bet in anything at all. I've got, you know, a lot of money in the stock market, but overall, most of my money, I bet on myself because I can control the outcome. Yeah, that's fantastic. So let's, as we wrap up here, you did mention earlier about working with consultants. By the way, Ellen, Ellen's great. She's been on on, on the podcast. You mentioned reading books. You mentioned visiting other facilities. Talk a little bit more about working on yourself and what are some of the things that you do to work on yourself? Because I think that, you know, Jim Rohn, I'm sure you're very familiar with Jim Rohn. Jim Rohn said, work harder on yourself than you do on your on your job or your, your business. Working hard on your job will, will make you a living. Working hard on yourself will make you a fortune. Can you talk a little bit more about some of the things that you do? So there's a good book that I'd recommend everybody reading. And like I said, I don't I don't make any money off of recommendations. So yeah. I'm not pushing anything here, but it's called The Miracle Morning. And basically, you start out your day with five things. You wake up an hour earlier and you start out with meditating. It's just closing your eyes and really thinking, just clearing your brain. It's very, very healthy for you to do. Uh, the next thing is to read for 10 minutes. And then you want to. I, I try to read more than that. I'm a big fan of Audible. I listen to books pretty fast, and it works out great for me because I'm a busy guy. But uh, also affirmations. What are you really happy about today? And when you see somebody that doesn't have the luxuries that we have, and I, I see a lot of people, I travel a lot, and you know, just simple things that we just take for granted. So affirmations about your life and actually being glad about things. And uh, and then journaling a little bit. What are your goals? What are some things you want to do? What are, what are you uh, just writing things down and using your creative side and then exercise? You know, in the morning, I try to I do roughly I mean, I do 20 push ups at a time and try to do five sets. I do sit ups. I go to the gym, but that's in the afternoon. But uh, those five things of, of meditating, journaling, affirmations, listening to a book an exercise will change your life and it's easier said than done, but you got to start somewhere and everybody prolongs it and everybody says, I'm going to get started next week or I just got to get done with my laundry first or this, that it starts today. 
and the decisions you make today and implement today will change. And a lot of people fall into bad habits. Well, habits, you just got to change your habits. So instead of eating this, you don't have to change everything at once. Just focus on one small thing a week, one small mission. And if you do that, you'll have a much better life and you'll be a lot more fulfilled over time. Awesome. Yeah, that is that is a great book, The Miracle Morning. It's by a guy named Hal Elrod. Um, I'll put it into the show notes. Well, Tommy, this has been great. I didn't know you before before the call. I knew of you. This has really been fantastic. Thank you for taking the time and and talking to us about your business, about your success, uh, about what are some of the things that you're working on. I I really appreciate it. You also offer a podcast and some resources for home service contractors. Do you want to let people know how they can how they can find you? Yeah, that's great. Thank you, Brian. I have a podcast called The Home Service Expert, releasing a book later this year called The Home Service Millionaire. Tested good in a group of, I had 20 titles and that one did the best, but uh, it's not meant to be cocky. But, uh, you know, I talk a lot about KPIs and how Google's changing the game and technology and CRMs and, and things really, I, I'm a marketer and a salesman. I don't love operations and that's why I reach out to guys like Al Levy for stuff like that. But, uh, you know, the whole goal of the podcast and, uh, and get people is I can help them out with marketing. And a lot of times I'm, I'm pushing people to guys like you and, and other people I know in the home service industry that could help people out on other things that I'm not good at. I'm good at making the phone ring. I'm good at inbound. And I'm learning a lot about a lot of other opportunities. But I, I could usually pull the marketing costs down dramatically. And uh, the home service expert is just really about getting really, really smart people, smarter than me onto the podcast, hearing about leadership, hearing about treating your employees right, hearing about uh, setting goals and learning a lot about acquisitions. And I usually get somebody on that's an expert in a certain field and just just hammer them for half an hour to an hour about what the audience could get out of it. So it's homeserviceexpert.com and then Tommy Mello dot com m-e-l-l-o.com is uh easiest way i'm on linkedin so you can reach out to me a million ways i appreciate you having me on here and one more thing i wanted to add is i just read two books and i think these books like i said i read a lot these books are game changers for your for your listeners uh the go-giver is amazing and it teaches how to give and it's true if you can live by that and then everybody matters is another good one by uh, Bob Chapman. And I just think those books really teach you more about what life's all about and about a way to live. Like I said, I don't get any royalties from any of this, but they're just amazing. Yeah, The Go-Giver is good. Bob Berg, great book. What was the other one called? Everybody Matters? Yeah, it's Everybody Matters, The Power of Caring for People Like Family. Awesome. And then uh, the Three books that I make every manager read is The E-Myth Revisited, The Ultimate Sales Machine, and Two Second Lean. Uh, like I said, I'm not trying to push a bunch of books. No, I actually appreciate that because we we do we do talk a lot about learning from other places, learning from books, learning from seminars, workshops, things that you can download and listen to podcasts. We talk a lot about that here. And, you know, one of the things, and I, I, I'm pretty sure you subscribe to this as well, is success leaves clues. And if you're smart, you're, con you're always looking for 
those clues. And when you see successful people, you want to learn from what are they doing that I can then take and I can adapt and put into my life. That's how you get successful faster and you don't get stuck. You don't have to do all of this alone. You don't have to figure it out alone. There are a lot of very, very smart people out there that help us in many different ways. And so I appreciate you giving us those uh, recommendations. Yeah, well, thank you again for having me on, Brian. This is a great opportunity, and, and I really appreciate it. Awesome. Well, Tommy, thank you so much. And for everybody listening, until next time, this is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group, and this is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. All right, so that's it for today's episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Let me ask you, did it help you look at your business in a new way? Did it spark an idea or ideas you hadn't thought of before? Do you have a list of action items that you can take and implement into your business or your life today? I really hope so. Now, before you go, make sure you subscribe to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast so you get access to the latest episodes as soon as they're available. We're always striving to provide you with great content so you don't want to miss what's coming up. And a favor. I'd really appreciate it if you'd go to iTunes and post a review of this podcast. Let us know how we're doing. The Wealthy Contractor Podcast is brought to you by G4 Marketing Group, where we help contractors of all kinds create customers, keep customers, and multiply their customers and profits. If you're interested in reaching new levels of success for your company, visit www.g F-O-U-R marketing.com or just call us at 305-856-8788 to schedule your free, no obligation, wealthy contractor strategy session. Now, during this strategy session, we're going to look at eight key performance factors in your business and we're going to help you uncover opportunities for growth, for leads, for sales, and for profit. And finally, we started the Wealthy Contractor as a resource to help you, the home improvement entrepreneur, regardless of where you are on the wealthy scale, get where you want to go. We want to provide you with the motivation, the confidence, the resources, and the tools so you too can live the life of the wealthy contractor. Now, the wealthy contractor is a place where it's okay for you to want it all. In fact, it's not only okay, it's encouraged. So until next time, this is Brian Kaskovalsian with G4 Marketing Group.